Good morning. Enjoying the beautiful Florida weather? It's incredible. Uh, this is Joe and Sharon Fumia. Most of you know them. Uh, we, we don't often, matter of fact, I think this might be the second or third time we've done this. Uh, we don't often uh, celebrate folks that are leaving, but uh, they are uh, able to move to Texas where their uh, son and uh, grandchildren are and be able to pour into them. And Joe and Sharon were part of the original 10 families that started Skyline. And so uh, Joe has been tearing up or setting down and or or setting up and tearing down for 15 years. And Sharon is, there's all the ministry she's involved in, the growth catalyst, the different things she's done. It's, uh, it's on and on and on in terms of a list. So you have in your program a little card like this. You can uh, do two things I want you to do. One is uh, say thank you to them and any encouraging words you have, but also put down what your favorite verse is or a verse that would be encouraging to them. Um, And then years later, when you get to pull these cards out, it just means the world to you. And so I'd ask you to do that. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these two lives and the incredible gift that they have been to Skyline, how they uh, brought... And, and accepted your dream for Skyline and gave their lives to you to use. And the way that you have used them in life groups, in one-on-one uh, situations, coaching, the list just goes on and on and on. And the way that they have prayed and loved on people, uh, we are so grateful. Lord, I pray that as they head to Texas, that they will take what you've done in their lives here and pour that out on the people who are there. In your name we pray, amen. And before they go, would you please give them a standing ovation just to say thank you for everything that you've done. All right, you done. Okay, uh, we are talking about heaven, and uh, last week we got introduced to uh, what heaven would be like. So if you missed that, make sure you grab, like, uh, grab it on video, grab it uh, on the podcast, and uh, just soak that all in, because it's an amazing truth of what heaven is going to be like. We finished with the question, so how do you get there? How do you know uh, you're going to be able to go to heaven? And we're going to pick right up there today. Uh, the passage we're going to jump into is Thomas is saying uh, to the Lord, he says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? How do we know? Like he's asking the exact question that we're asking. There's a couple of places, another one in John 3 where Nicodemus asks, how do, I, how do I get to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom? And Jesus walks through that answer. We're going to use both of those passages as part of it. And Jesus says this to him. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a good chance you've heard that verse in some way or form or fashion in the past. And and most people uh, that come to Skyline or even that grow up around here, they've heard about Jesus ever since they were little. They have heard this idea that it's through Jesus. Uh, And maybe you grew up in a a different uh, style or type of church, but you learned that, yeah, you're supposed to believe in Jesus. 
And it's really rare to come across somebody that you go, uh, do, you, do you believe in Jesus? And they go, yeah. No, I have no idea. Never heard of him. Um, actually, Christopher, this uh, couple months ago, got to go on a, a trip. He was in Greece, and he visited a uh, refugee camp. And he met someone who they were talking about Jesus, and, and Christopher said, have you ever heard of him before? And he said, I've heard the name before. I've heard the name before, but I have no idea who he is. But that's not true for most of you. You've heard the name before. And you've probably heard the, the, the idea that you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. People will talk about it in terms of their stories when they, when they get baptized, or they'll talk about it, <coughs> excuse me, they'll talk about uh, this, this, this idea that you, I, I now have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, and probably you do have some kind of a relationship with Jesus. You've probably prayed to him since you were very young. You probably have things that you think he's either told you or, or things you think about him. And so as we think about this idea, I'd like to introduce you to, uh, to a few people. Uh, see if you know who they are. This is Kanye, Kanye West. A number of you know him quite well. You sing his songs. Uh, I'm not going to start rapping. Um, one day I'm going to. One day I'm going to learn one. I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, and he, you, you, if we started that song, you'd just sing right along with it. And, and you probably know all about him. You know about who he's married to. You followed his marriage. You, you, you followed uh, different things and throughout social media. You probably know a lot about his children, and all, you probably know quite a bit about him. There's another guy a number of you would know. Yeah. We can have a divide right here in our own church. That's awesome. Like we've, we've got people that love him. He played for the University of Michigan, so I have known him he has either made me happy or really ticked off uh, from a pretty young age for years. And numbers of you know him. You have screamed your lungs out at this guy, either cheering or, yeah. How many of you are in the camp that when, I know they lost this year, but that when the game is on the line, right, and the other team is ahead by seven, six, seven, three, three six points, whatever, I just shut the TV off. I know they're going to win. I know he's going to drive them back. They're going to win. So not this time, but you know him, right? You know all about him. You know the children, the marriage he had before, the marriage he has now. You know lots of things about him. Like you have this relationship with him. There's one more. You know her songs. You've, you've sang her songs and... You, you've, uh, you've followed her children, which I just have to clear something up. So she does have twins. In the first service, I said she had twins. And a bunch of people said she doesn't have twins. They're two years old. Am I right? I know my pop, pop culture, guys. I know my pop culture. <laughs> but let me ask you this. This afternoon, take a little drive over to their house and you knock on the door, and they open up the door, and they see you, what are they going to do? I don't know you. I don't know you. 
they not only don't know you, up until the point that you knock on the door, they don't know you exist. They never think about you. It's not that they don't care about you in a negative way, they just don't know you. See, the relationship you have with all of these people is a one-way relationship. It's entirely built on the conversations you've had with yourself or another person who does not know them. And I wonder, is it possible that the relationship you have with Jesus is a one-way relationship? Did you know in Matthew 25, it says that there will be many people who will come at the, to get into heaven. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You didn't, you didn't know me and I never knew you. Because it's a one-way relationship. And so today, we're going to talk about how you have a personal relationship with Jesus whereby when you knock on the door, he opens it, he goes, oh, so good to see you. There will be, have been multiple conversations. There will be a connection that happened between you and him. But he absolutely knows you. Because we don't want a personal relationship with Jesus that's built on us and what we think and how we've interacted. We want a two-way relationship with him. So he used this phrase. You probably have heard that phrase before. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to do it backwards. We're going to start with the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I want the life. And I'm going to take it for granted that all of us want the life. And we're gonna, we're gonna, we want to get on a train that's headed toward the life. You ever get on the wrong train? You ever get on the wrong train? Ever get on the wrong bus? Ever get on the wrong road? When you first get the ticket, you're so excited. It's awesome. When you first sit down on the train, this is awesome. You're so excited about where we're going to go and what we're going to do and this incredible trip we're going to have. Somewhere between 10 minutes and maybe an hour into the trip, you're like, where's this train going? Going to Boston. I want to go to New York. Once we want to make sure you're on the right train. And as we move to this life, this trip, the ticket, I, I want the life. I want what we talked about last week. There's a passage, this passage we didn't talk about last week, but here's another one. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Full is the word over, overflowing, abundant, beyond what I can imagine. And so we have little tiny snippets of those in this life. You have experiences where you're like, whoa, this is awesome, incredible, amazing. But, but it's just a little tiny snippet of your life. Jesus says, I have come that you might have, that would be your whole life. That's the life. I want that. Are you, is that the ticket you want? Is that the train you want to get on? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that it is yes. Another the thing we looked at last week, too. Let's just review this a little bit. They shall neither be uh, hunger, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. 
It's, it's unimaginable that you go through your life entirely satisfied. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. No anxiety, nor any possibility of anxiety. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I, I love, love, love the picture that God would have changed me on the inside. I think heaven will be great because the circumstances will be amazing. That's true. But I don't think that's the most amazing thing. I think the most amazing thing is I will be, I will never be in conflict with God or myself or you again. Wow. That's where I want to be. So that's the life that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is that life. This is about him. But first you must hear the truth. He says, I am the truth. Jesus is literally the truth. And there's, there's two ways to hear the truth. We're going to talk about Jesus and the Bible. Now, as we work through this, this is very important. For some of you, you interact with God emotionally, very much on the emotional side of things. And so when you feel certain things, that's when you really feel close to God. For others of you, you work on things from, a, from an intellectual side of things, more of what you would call, what you would think would be a fact-based side of things. And for those of you who interact with truth on the emotional side of things, you are convinced things are true. There's always emotion involved in it. There's something that has happened, and sometimes you'll say it happened to my heart. It's like something grabs your heart, and, and you're convinced it's true because it's it's something that you've experienced with your heart. Others of you are more like, no, 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 I, I lined it all up. Whoa, that's actually true. I see that as, a, a, as factually true. As we talk about hearing from God, you may be tempted to go, I know I've heard from God because I felt it. That is not how we hear from God alone. It can be part of it. The way you hear from God is through Jesus, period. He's the truth. So if I come out here and I'm all excited and I'm jumping up and down, I give the most incredible presentation you've ever heard. I draw you in. I tell you stories. You're like, oh, this is awesome. And I finish it with a, with a story that's just amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you're convinced it was true because it felt like the truth. I could be lying. Everything I said could be false. How you feel doesn't make something true or untrue. How it's presented doesn't make something true or untrue. <clears throat> it's simply either true or false. Jesus... And what he has to say and who he is, is the truth. So whether you feel it or not, when you are exposed to who Jesus is and what he says, you've been told the truth. How do you listen to the truth? 
you listen to what Jesus has to say. Have you ever had to listen to something you didn't like to hear? And you try to close your ears. Spouses do this all the time. Usually right as soon as the other one gets home. And they go into this thing that didn't get done or this, da, 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 right? And you're like, I don't hear this. Is it less true because you don't want to hear it? No. It's true whether you want to hear it or not. Jesus is the truth. That's how you find out what the ticket is. When you go to the ticket booth and you ask, how much is it? You usually do not want to hear the truth, right? But if you're going to get on the train, you have to hear the truth and respond to what that truth is so you can get the ticket. Jesus is the truth. If you really know me, this, uh, this is going back to uh, this same passage. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, Philip. You do know him and you've seen him. Oh, by the way, this is not complicated. What we're going to work through is not complicated. We love to make things complicated. Loving your wife is not complicated. You do what's best for her no matter what it costs you. When it gets complicated is because I don't want to listen and I don't want to do that. It's going to cost me a lot that I don't want to give up. This is not complicated, what we're going to talk about. Entering into a relationship with Jesus is not complicated. It can be really costly, but it's not complicated. Philip said, so, he, so Jesus says to him, okay, you know the Father because you know me. I'm from the Father. And so if you want to see God, look at me. That's who I am. And, and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and, and that will be good enough. So he's like, yeah, this, that's not enough. I need a little bit more. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Simple principle. If you want to know who God is, Jesus has shown you. You've been told. You've been shown. Jesus, you, you read about Jesus and you see who he is, that's exactly what God is like because Jesus is God. Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You, or they, had seen evidence. Why? Because he could do miracles, he could heal people, and he had spoken words that they had never heard before with amazing authority about who God was. We have more evidence than they did. We're ahead of the disciples in being able to know who Jesus is and who God is. 
Because Jesus rose from the dead. He has the power over life. He took all of our sin on him, all of the death, all of the trouble on himself, and then he rose from the dead. Every once in a while, somebody comes along and says, they were dead for 20 minutes and rose from the dead. Or uh, they died and went to heaven and they came back. We don't know if that's truth. Jesus died three days. He was dead. That's dead. And rose from the dead. That's the truth. Who's your Jesus? What's he like? How does he interact with you? What's he think of you? How do you have a relationship with the Jesus you have? Maybe you think he's, he's so warm and fuzzy, you just love him. He's kind of like a... Don't take this the wrong way, but he's kind of like the Christian radio Jesus. Like, he's positive. He's a positive Jesus. He's just so happy, and he just wants you to be happy, and he tells all these little really great stories, and that's when you see Jesus, is when you see that really, really great stuff. That's not the whole Jesus. Jesus, when he was with the woman at the well, they were talking about spiritual things. And they were talking about life, and she kept bringing up theological things, and what about this, and what about that? And, 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 and he said, well, here's the real issue. You've had five husbands, and the one you live with now, that's not your husband. Jesus is positive, and he's amazingly loving, and he's amazingly gentle, and he's amazingly kind. But Jesus knows you, and he knows what you're enslaved to. He knows about your fear and your pride and your selfishness. He knows all the ways that you keep trying to make up for that. He knows the ways you've had good intentions. Let's find out a little bit more. <clears throat> so first is Jesus himself. Then there's God's word. It's interesting. The Bible talks about Jesus as if he is God's word. He is the word. So these two aren't, they aren't two different things, but Jesus is a person, and then there's the scriptures, his word, what he said and and what he passed on. God's word is the truth. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The simplest terms. Who do you trust for the truth? In terms of finding out how to go to heaven, how to get to heaven, who are you trusting? Who do you put your faith in? That person's telling the truth. That's the one who knows the way. All scripture is God-breathed. People say, well, the Bible's written by men. The Bible says it's written by men who God spoke to them. He breathed the words to them. They didn't make them up. They didn't put down what they thought. It's not their opinions. It's his God, literally God speaking. So how do you hear from God? The Bible. 
Again, same everything I said before. You mean, I really feel good about the Bible. I feel good about the Bible saying, I feel like God is talking to me. God is not talking to you more when you feel like it than he is when you don't feel like it. You ever get out your, your Bible and read it and like, oh man, I'm just not getting anything out of it. That doesn't mean God didn't talk to you. It means you're not listening to him. It means you're not treating those words as if they were God's words, that he is talking to you. God's word is the truth. Now here's the core, the foundation of what Jesus says and what the Bible says about you getting to heaven. There's no one righteous, not even one. <clears throat> How'd you plan on getting to heaven, by the way? This personal relationship with Jesus is Jesus focused on you becoming a better person? Does Jesus, does, does God want you to become a better person? Does God, does God care about your intentions? See, the whole world believes that. Any television show out there, any movie out there that has anything to do with God or angels or anything to do with church you become a better person, and then God accepts you because you're better. You're a good person. What have you brought to God in hopes that he would accept you into heaven? Now, a number of you are better people than I am. What are those things that you bring? Your love? You ever hear somebody go, I just got so much love to give. Okay. It hurts. I got so much love to give. <laughs> I love my children so much. I love my husband so much. I love my... Do you bring that to Jesus? I'm so loving. I'm, I, I love serving. I love serving and giving and making a difference. I just love it. Do you bring that to Jesus? The foundation of your relationship to Jesus is this. You have no righteousness of your own. Another passage says that our righteousness is filthy rags. What that means is all this loving thing you have and all these good things you have and all these ways you're trying to become a better person, they count for nothing. Now, you have to decide are you going to listen to this Jesus and this Bible or your feelings and yourself or what somebody else told you? It's really popular, very, very popular. Matter of fact, almost all child-raising theory and self-image theory is on the idea that deep, deep down inside of you, way deep down inside of you is this really good person. Jesus says, no. Deep, deep down inside of you is a prideful, selfish, self-focused person. Now, you've got to decide what you're going to do with that. Jesus talks about lying. Now, lying's complicated, right? Because there's some lies, maybe it's okay to say, eh, 
Oh, that there, that's a bad lie. Cheating. Are we talking about Metaxas? Because the government's bad. Like, How many times have you said to yourself, I can't love that person. Look what they did to me. In other words, you define love as I give love to those who are lovable. Jesus came along and said, no, no, no. Love your enemies. He raised the standard. Sex is a big thing in our culture. It's huge. I don't bring it up because I think it's a big thing any bigger thing than any other thing. But I want to be really clear about this. When I talk about these things, I am not going to condemn you. I'm not even going to give you an opinion about you. You have to decide if you're going to trust the Jesus of the Bible or the one you've made up. Do you want a relationship with the Jesus of the Bible or the one you've made up? Jesus is pretty clear about sex before marriage. He's pretty clear. He's pretty clear that once you're married, you stay married, and you only have sex with that person. Jesus is really clear that sex is between a husband and a wife, and that sex is not to be between someone of the same sex. Oh, what are you saying, Pastor Chris? It doesn't matter what Pastor Chris says. What matters is, does Jesus define what is true about you and who you are, or do you? Do you decide, no, no, I feel this way, therefore that's what I am. Do you go, okay, Jesus, I want, to, I want to follow you. I want to interact with you. I want to have a relationship with you. But Jesus, there's some things you need to understand that on my terms. Or is it going to be on his terms? He says something even crazier. So you're like, if you accept that, if you're like, I am broken, I, 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 there's no righteousness in me, God, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? How, how can I fix this? Do you want me to stop lying? Do you want me to stop having sex with whoever I'm not supposed to be having sex with? Um, do you want me to start having sex with whoever I'm supposed to start having sex with? What, God, what, what do you want me to do? You want me to stop cheating? You want me to start giving my money away? Do you want all my money? God, God what do you want me to do? Tell me what you want me to do. And the first thing he says is this. No one will be declared righteous by keeping the law. What? There's nothing you can do. What? If you're trying to become a better person so you can get into heaven, stop it. You're wasting your time and your life. No. There's no hope. Why would God put me in a position where there's no hope? Why would he even want a relationship with me? So, we have the life we want. We have the truth. I want to build a relationship on Jesus' terms, not mine. 
So what about the way? Well, then let's follow the way. The way is not a formula. It's a person. The question, how do I get to heaven, can kind of throw us off because we think, what do I need to do? But we've already discovered there's nothing you can do. So Jesus came along and said, the way that you enter into a relationship with me is you let me fix you. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I'm not taking any of my old life with me. I'm not taking me with me. I don't want my life. I'm not gonna fix my life. I'm not gonna become a better person. I need God to give me a new life, to make me a new person, to be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So you enter into this relationship with Jesus by putting your faith in Jesus. But here's a really key piece to this. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. I want you to watch this video, and as you do, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. But I'm going to come back and kind of talk a little bit about, okay, wait a minute. How do I take this step? My name is Vilma. Um, I'm from Puerto Rico. I'm the youngest of 10 children. I have a big family, and um, I have six grandchildren and three children. Whoever say that they don't want grandkids, that's they line up your life, I'm telling you. Right now, I live with the youngest one of the six, and every time when I come home, she greets me with the stumpy feet, and then she reach out so I can pick her up. So that that is amazing. Like, I love all my grandkids, but this is the one that lives with me now. Um, my parents were Catholic, um, but I didn't follow the religion. Before I became a Christian, oh my God, I was so mean to people. Um, I didn't care about life, especially at work. They always used to try me all the time, gorinos. And, um, and I always used to curse everybody out. Like, I didn't really care. But, you know, since I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, I became to humble myself, and I started seeing things differently. It was in 2018 when I came to Skyline, and um, I, I, they had a baptism service. And I seen like for the first time the people getting baptized and I, um, you know, like I was listening to their story. I cry. I always sit on the right hand side by myself crying all the time. I cry all the time. As they were saying their story, it was like God was trying to talk to me through them. Like I saw myself in their story because I was going through something myself, you know. So that, that moment there that made me realize that I really, you know, this is something that I want to do like my my heart was like overwhelmed like with joy and um 
the tears just started flowing. And at that moment there, I knew that I wanted to get baptized. I didn't do it sooner because I was going through something. You know, I wanted to wait. This year in October, I um, signed up for a group with Joanna, my first group. I love the girls in that group because, you know, like I'm going through an issue right now and um, they pray with me. You know, the man downstairs, he's a liar. So I wasn't going to miss this for nothing in the world. Even if I'm nervous or not, I was going to make it here. So, um, and um, I want to thank Regina because she was, she's my um, baptism mentor. She was great through everything. I had, I was diagnosed with cancer, you know what I mean? Um, last year and um, I'm thinking, they say that cancer doesn't hurt, but I'm thinking that he gave me a sign because if he didn't give me that sign, I wouldn't be here right now. So I trust him because of him, I'm alive. My life now is better. Like, I, I have like a best friend with God, I'm telling you. I could ask him for anything, pray about anything. And that's the thing, you know, I'm like a working progress because I'm not perfect. But like, I could talk to him about anything. You know, a couple of days ago, I broke down. Regina and Joanna prayed with me and um, my friends and family, you know, and um, I know that he's real. You know, I know that he's real. This verse is important because it's about fear. So I don't have to be afraid because he's going to be there with me. He's going to walk with me and everything. So that's why I chose this verse. Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those with, with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Trust God. Accept him in your heart because he is the truth. I'm telling you. I'm here. I'm alive after cancer, and um, there's nobody else. He's the greatest. I love him. So, did you hear why she listened? She listened because she was in trouble. Right? She listened because she was in trouble. If you're here this morning, you're like, oh, the only reason I'm interested in God is because I'm in trouble. That's the only reason anybody listens to God. Nobody goes, my life is fantastic. I got to see God. Right? We seek God because we are in trouble. And then she used some phrases. She used, asked Jesus in my heart. And uh, she talked about coming to the baptisms, watching the story and how it just gripped her heart. Now, you may be the emotional one, and God may interact with you that way. It's so fun. Um, I don't tend to interact with God through signs, per se, but a lot of you do. And there's more than one of you who's told me, yeah, I was, I was driving through the road, I was wrestling with some things in my heart, and da, 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 da. And then the clouds parted, and these light rays came down. I was like, I'm going to go to church. And you're like, what? I, 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 God's talking to me, and da, da, I'm going to make this big decision. Those things are real, guys. They're real. 
But the relationship never comes from the signs. The relationship comes from listening to the truth and interacting with Jesus who is alive, who does speak to your spirit. Like you're like, whoa, he is after me. And this morning, I wanna walk you through just super simple, because it is super simple. It's you, number one, agreeing with God, you're the problem. And you don't want your life anymore. I don't mean you want, don't want your life to be the way it is anymore. I mean, you don't want you to be the ruler of your life anymore. And that Jesus came, he is God, and he has the right to tell you what's true. And that you want what he did on the cross, you want him to forgive you, you want him to apply it to you, he want him to make you new. And you understand, the only thing you can do is ask for it and accept it that you're gonna move your trust from whatever it's you trust now to him. Not to a belief system, not to a church. She talked about getting baptized. Getting baptized has nothing to do with this whatsoever. None, zero. Don't think, yeah, I'm gonna get baptized and then I'll have a relationship with Jesus. No, that comes after you've entered in a relationship. So a couple of questions as you interact with this. One. Do you want to have a relationship with Jesus on your terms or his terms? He's here today and wants to have a relationship with you on his terms. Do you want to have a relationship where you trust your feelings and your experiences and your past knowledge and your opinions? Or do you want a relationship based on trusting what Jesus says and what the Bible says. You want to surrender to whatever the Bible says and whatever Jesus says. Do you want a relationship where you trust in your trust? How often have you heard somebody say, how'd you get through that? I got through it by my faith. I'm not really sure what that means. Trusting your trust Trusting that you trust enough is worthless. You don't enter into a relationship because of what you bring to the relationship or what you believe or that you believe the right thing. You enter into a relationship because you meet Jesus and you ask him, you, you bring your sin Lastly, do you want a relationship whereby you go, Jesus, I want all of those things, but you can't have this. I'm not bringing this sin into the light. I'm not giving this up. That's your terms. The answer is no. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, 
don't want the old life. And everything is brought into the light. Meaning, I will confess everything. Blame no one. Excuse nothing. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you'd like to meet Jesus today and enter into this relationship on these terms, I want you to understand something. Jesus is always 100% ready to bring you into this relationship. Always. Jesus never goes, oh, now's not the time. I was planning on you doing it later. That never happens. You can walk into this relationship right now on his terms. I'm going to pray the words. You may put it in your own words, different words. But this is purely between you and Jesus. It has nothing to do with me or the people around you. He literally wants to marry you. Will you say yes? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know me. You know all of my sin. You know all my attitudes. You know everything I've ever done. And Lord, I've been trying to make up for it. But I'm done. I thought you wanted me to change, but I see now that's not true. You want to change me. Lord, I've tried to believe in you. I've tried to trust you. I can't. But from what I understand today, you died on the cross to pay for my sin and to give me your righteousness, your goodness. And did you promise that if I ask you, you will forgive me? I'm asking. Jesus, forgive me. Not just of what I've done, but who I am. You, I know it's all broken and I know it's not worth anything, but you can, you can have me. I want you. And you've promised that if, if I ask you, you, you'd give me you your life. So I'm asking. Give me your life, Lord. And Lord, you promised that if I ask you to take me to heaven with you, you would. So I'm asking. Take me, Jesus. Lord, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do with me, I'm yours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That from this day forward, if I don't get to heaven, it's your fault. Because I ask and you promised. It's in your hands now. In your name we pray. Amen.